0: to see you today. Um, Welcome to our Philemon Project. We are in week nine of ten and so uh, seminar today. Time for us to uh, use our breakout rooms as we did one week before and we'll use that for a couple of different purposes today. Uh, One purpose will be to have some discussions around a scripture text that we will walk through later. Another purpose will be for us to spend time praying. And uh, as you can imagine, today is a day that many churches across our area are deep in prayer because we're recognizing a tragedy that's happened in our city this week, a tragedy that has impacted many people, many of our neighbors, many communities, and especially the Asian American community. So we're going to spend some time praying uh, about the shootings that happened in Atlanta this week and about all who are processing the the difficulty of those events, and uh, especially those who, for whom these shootings are just recalling a, a long past of racism. And uh, that past has extended throughout this pandemic as there have been some particular uh, forms of hostility directed toward Asian-Americans during our pandemic. But there's an even longer past there as well. We'll talk a bit about that this morning. So we'll spend some time praying and asking God to be with us. In fact, let's take a moment and do that now, and then we'll look together at the scriptures, and then I will send you into a breakout room so that you can spend time in small groups praying with one another, and uh, then we'll come back from that prayer time, and we'll have a couple of other breakouts for the purpose of discussion, and uh, we'll base that on a scripture text that we'll look at in just a moment. But let's take, take a moment now to pray together for our time. Lord Jesus, our prayer this morning is that you would be with your people. Uh, The scriptures tell us that the evil one, our enemy, your enemy, Satan, is a deceiver. He wants to deceive us. He wants to divide us. He wants to destroy your work in the world. And certainly the kinds of events that we saw this week uh, in our city align with his purposes. The book of 1 John says that this evil one, this enemy, is the father of murder. And so uh, we know that he would rejoice in what has happened this week in our city. We grieve, we mourn, we lament, we sorrow. Uh, We weep with those who are weeping this week. Lord, we ask that you would protect us this morning and we thank you that your presence is with us, and we thank you for the promise that the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. We ask that you would be with our brothers and sisters across this city today, Christians who are grieving, Christians who are hurting, especially those who are part of uh, churches that are led by uh, Asian American leaders, many of whom I've spoken with this week, and and um, they are in a time of, of really uh, shepherding flocks that are full of pain and heartache and rage this week. We ask that you would be with them in a special way. I pray especially for my friend Tay as he prepares to lead a, a brunch gathering after his church worships together this morning. Just to sorrow together and to uh, be with one another. I pray for him and I pray for others who are in similar positions of leadership today. We ask, Lord, that you would use the tragedy of this week to bring your people closer together across every line that would divide us, where we pray that you would be with us in this time today. We pray also for our brother Stephen Gilchrist, who later today will be preaching for us. We ask that you would strengthen him for the task ahead and we ask that you would already begin to open our hearts to learn from you as you disciple us through your servant, Stephen. We pray all these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. I'll take a moment. Uh, I'll share my screen here and uh, walk us through today's topic and prepare us for a season of prayer. So let me uh, do that quickly. All right. Mm-hmm. I hide this. I hide that. Well, all right. That should do it. So raise your hand if you've been using Zoom for a year and you figured everything out and you can use it uh, without any disruption. No, Uh, that's just a joke. Um, So we're still learning. Here we go. Today's topic is lament and longing, reflection on hard and hopeful truths. Uh, notice the twofold rhythm there. It's really the rhythm of the Christian life. It's the rhythm of cross and resurrection. And we are being shaped to the life of Jesus. And Scripture talks about his life so many times in that twofold rhythm. Uh, he, he suffered and then he entered into his glory. He was crucified, and then he was resurrected. He experienced hard truths, and yet he looked forward with hope to the joy that was before him. Hebrews chapter 12 uses that phrase. And uh, so today we're going to explore that rhythm in prayer and in conversation, lament and longing. Here's a scripture text that does a good job of capturing that in just a few sentences for us. It's from Second Corinthians chapter 4 verses 8 through 12. Why was the Apostle Paul having to write these words? We'll talk about that in just a moment. For now, let's recognize the the twofold rhythm of this text, lament and longing. Let me take a moment just to read these four verses and and, uh, listen to this balance between cross and resurrection. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. Now, here Paul is describing what it's like to be an apostle, a proclaimer of the death and resurrection of Jesus. But in doing so, he's also describing what should be the shape of the Christian life. This death and resurrection rhythm, lament and longing. Let's uh, look at it a little more deeply. I've highlighted in green here on this slide the the parts of the text that deal with lament, the sorrow, the, the suffering, the agony and anguish and uh, the crucifixion side of what it means to walk with Christ and to be uh, one who walks with his people. It means being afflicted. It means being a friend of those who are afflicted. It means weeping with those who weep. It means being perplexed, seeing events happen in the world around us that leave us confused, wondering why, wondering how, wondering what in the world could ever make this better. What could we do? Being persecuted. Some in our midst, uh, as the body of Christ, feel especially persecuted this week. Some are experiencing that persecution. It's happening around the world. Christians I know who are from Asian descent this week feel singled out for attack and uh, prejudice and racism in lots of forms. It's a form of persecution. We have to learn what it means to be struck down, to carry in our bodies the death of Jesus. That is our, our daily reality expresses something of what it means to be joined to Jesus in his death. We are given over to death for Jesus' sake, Paul says. Death is at work in us. That's the lament side of this rhythm, the cross and crucifixion side. I we'll do the same thing with... Um, the longing side in just a moment, but here we want to say, let's not move too quickly. Bear the burdens of others by lingering on lament. Uh, I have discovered this week that uh, for many white Christians, it's, it's tempting to move quickly past the grief and the pain that some are feeling this week. In fact, as I've talked to Afri- African-American Christian brothers and sisters this week, I found that that they're bearing a lot of pain this week, pain associated with racism. And I think some white Christians might say, well, well, why is that? The murders here in Atlanta didn't involve black people. Yeah, let's linger. Let's linger and listen. Let's not move too quickly past that pain. Let's ask why. Why is it? that violence against the Asian community would cause you, my black brother or sister, to weep and grieve and sorrow and feel that pain so deeply. Why is it that some uh, have been kind of quick to move on and say, hey, we we heard that this shooting was uh, motivated by something related to sex addiction. And thank goodness it wasn't related to racism. Maybe we're moving on too quickly. This actually relates to why the Apostle Paul wrote the words he did in Second Corinthians. Uh, he was living in a culture that celebrated the resurrection side of Christianity. They celebrated the power and the glory and um, all of the, the, the shining radiance of the resurrected Christ. And they wanted to move too quickly past the crucifixion and the sorrow and the anguish and the pain. And you'll notice that when Paul wrote to them, he talked to them about a twofold rhythm. Paul was saying, don't move too quickly past the cross to get to the resurrection. Now, I think if the Corinthians had been suffering the opposite problem, Paul would have spoken to that as well if if they weren't paying attention to the resurrection and they were fixated on the cross. But uh, the problem they were having was moving on too quickly from the cross, from lament, And so here's a reminder to us from Scripture. Don't move too quickly. Spend time bearing the burdens of others. Linger on lament. Remember that lament involves complaint, crying out, Why, God? It's not supposed to be this way. And uh, so in our prayer time, spend some time doing that. And as we'll see now, lament in Scripture ends in hope we we don't need to rush too quickly to get there and and skip past the complaint and skip past that broken sense of the world is not supposed to be this way but lament does turn the corner and end with a note of hope longing for future healing beginning now and so we see that in our scripture text from second corinthians 4 longing here the the resurrection rhythm of this text Because Christ was crucified, we experience affliction, but because he's resurrected, we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but Christ is resurrected. We're not driven to despair. We aren't forsaken because Christ has left the tomb. We are struck down but not destroyed because Christ rose from the dead. We carry around in the body the death of Jesus, but we also carry the life of Jesus in our bodies so that The power of his resurrection can be made clear in our daily living to our neighbors. Verse 11 says, we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Why? A resurrection purpose, so that the life of Jesus can also be manifested, made clear in our bodily life. And then verse 12 explains why we bear all of this difficulty. Death is at work in us so that life can be at work in other people. So as we pray in just a moment, we'll be praying through that rhythm of lament and longing. Our conversation today will be built around that rhythm of cross and resurrection. Part of what it means to know Christ is to bear the pain of other people so that life can be at work in them. Verse 12, death is at work in us so that life can be at work in you. So this is the rhythm that will shape our uh, prayer time based on 2 Corinthians 4. So, um, Billy, switch us back to our camera for just a moment. I'll take a minute to uh, share with everyone a prayer guide that has been sent to me. Um, We're going to use our breakout rooms in in just a minute. I'm going to divide you up into small groups. And you'll spend several minutes praying together. I'll remind you in just a moment of um, some logistics of how we will do that. But I'll encourage you to take these, this first breakout session just to focus on prayer, not on conversation, not on discussing what's happened. We'll have some time for that uh, later. But uh, in this first breakout session, let's devote our time to praying, um, praying for those in our city who are hurting, praying for our nation, healing, uh, praying for uh, all kinds of, of issues that have been raised by the events of this week, whether they're related to the need to repent of hypocrisy, as we see a, a young man who is a member of a church who is also caught up in uh, issues that were disturbing to him, and, and then he's using that form of temptation almost as a, a shield to, to defend these terrible acts of hatred against women and against Asian American women in particular. And uh, there is so much brokenness in that story, so much brokenness in my heart, so much brokenness in the story of our nation and our world. And uh, let's spend some time praying for those things. So let me uh, share my screen. One moment here. So here's some uh, logistical reminders. Billy, can I go back to that? We're going to use breakout rooms. uh, So roughly about 10 minute sessions and uh, you'll get a 60 second warning before we gather together again in the large group here. Uh, Don't forget to unmute yourself if you're praying so that others can hear you. And uh, I'll give us a couple of extra minutes on this first session so that you can introduce yourself to somebody that may not know you. Um, I find it's easy uh, sometimes to assume that everybody does know each other. So uh, take a moment to introduce yourselves as well. And what we're going to do in this first breakout session is to pray for our city, our community, our neighbors, and our friends. And uh, I want to take a moment to read from a prayer guide that was sent to me this week. A guide to praying for the Asian American community in Atlanta. So I'm just going to read a paragraph from that for us. The mass shooting in metro Atlanta on March 16th left eight people dead including, including six Asian women. The cho- shooter chose three Asian massage parlors and targeted the Asian women working there. While there are more details to be known about this complex situation, the young man, a member of a church, narrowed his focus on Asian businesses and Asian women. His labeling them as the cause of his problem and his resultant actions have impacted the Asian American community in horrific ways. We must pray for the families of the victims, those who survive, and the community. We must pray for Asian women who were particularly targeted. Atlanta's Asian population in our top four counties grew by 31% from 2010 to 2019, fueled by both immigration and domestic migration. Everyone comes to Atlanta with hope for success or rebirth. Moving to Atlanta is a chance to start over for many individuals and families. The shootings on March 16th ended the lives of six Asian women and undermine the sense of hope for many other people? How can we as Christians support Asian American women and men? How can we pray? So the document goes on uh, to uh, to share several points of prayer, praying for comfort, for courage, for unity in the church, for healing. And uh, so I thought it would uh, be appropriate for, for us to spend some time doing that. So I'm going to uh, send you into breakout rooms quickly, and uh, we'll spend a couple of moments introducing, you'll spend time introducing yourself to those who may not know you, and uh, then I'll call us back together in just a few minutes. So here we go. If You're ready? Welcome back. Um, Sorry for the confusion with the uh, beginning of those uh, breakout rooms. I had two rooms set up. One with one person and one with everyone else. So it was all working perfectly. <laughs> no. uh, I hope that you uh, had good time to pray together and uh, time to call out to our Father and ask Him to do what we ask every time we pray the Lord's Prayer together, that He would cause His will to be done uh, on earth as it is in heaven. So in just a moment, we will uh, have another breakout session and this time we'll discuss uh, what it, what we've been learning about lament. So I'm going to share my screen one more time. We'll walk through that, and then I'll send you back out into your breakout rooms. So here we go. A um, couple of ground rules that we will remember as we do this. Um, a posture of wanting to know other people better. Sometimes when we uh, share what we're learning, uh, we can want to jump in and and maybe correct somebody or, or uh, maybe think they didn't say something exactly right. The goal is not to correct people at this stage, but to listen, to hear. I want to know you better. Celebrate the work that God has been doing. That's the way we'll form our question, frame our question in just a moment. And um, we gave this tip the last time that we did this and had these breakout discussions. Um, If you have a strong reaction emotionally to something that someone says, it's good to interrogate that for a moment. Ask yourself why. Why are you having this strong reaction? It might be positive. It might be negative. But why? And, uh, and then what? What is God teaching you through that strong reaction? So your emotions are a little bit like those uh, uh, gauges on the dashboard of a car. They, they blink on and off because you need to pay attention to something. Your emotions are like that. What do you need to pay attention to? What's God teaching you to take a deep look at? through that strong emotional reaction Uh, so we're going to focus this time with questions related back to the lament part of our rhythm lament and longing crucifixion and resurrection this time we'll be paying attention to that crucifixion side of that rhythm and here are the two questions that i'll ask you to discuss during this breakout session Uh, How has God been teaching you to lament during the Philemon Project over these past nine weeks? um, What has he been teaching you to sorrow over? What crucifixion realities are you seeing? And how are you seeing those crucifixion realities of injustice and racism more clearly as a result of what we've been learning together? So those are the questions that we'll uh, have you discuss in just a moment. I'm going to stop sharing my screen and I'm going to send you out breakout rooms, this time it should go a bit more smoothly. Here we go. Welcome back again. So um, if you're following the rhythm of Second Corinthians chapter 4, um, you know what's going to come next. So we spent time praying uh, together, and then we spent time thinking together about lament and what it means uh, that God is teaching us some Crucifixion realities. Um, now we're going to shift our attention to the longing. More positively, how is God teaching us some resurrection realities that we could move toward and long for and strive for and hope for? So uh, let me share my screen and we'll uh, look at the questions that we'll use to structure our last breakout session. So these two questions. Well, there we go. What kinds of growth and change are you longing for because of the Philemon Project? Now, that could be personally, individually, that you're longing to grow and change because of things that God is teaching you. Or it could be growth and change that you hope to see in our congregation here at N-Town or across the Christian church more broadly. Growth and change throughout our city, society, you name it. What kinds of growth and change are you longing for because of what we've been learning together? Another way to ask that question is, how could resurrection realities begin to take shape in our lives? Why would that cause you to rejoice? Why would that give you hope? So let's take some time to think about those things together in our last breakout session. I'll, uh, I'll send you to your rooms here in just a moment. All right. Welcome back again. I hope that it was encouraging to you to learn together today to talk with other people, uh, even, even to share the burdens, discussing both parts of this cross and resurrection rhythm, the lament and the longing. I hope it encouraged you to hear the lament that other people are carrying and things that they're concerned about, hard truths that they've been learning and wrestling with. And then I hope it encourages you to, uh, to hear the hopeful truths, the ways that God is teaching your brothers and sisters as well. I want to take a moment to uh, issue a challenge, but that challenge is going to start with a piece of artwork. So one last time, I'm going to share my screen, and uh, I want to feature for you a, um, a resource that is on our website. So if you will go onto to our church's website and look at the um resources under our on our Philemon project page, one of the resources you'll find is a slide presentation that features artwork and imagery related to the book of Philemon and uh, this is one piece of art that I discovered uh, it's uh, by a, an artist named Adrian Converse and if you read the text it's it's Philemon verse 16. Uh, set within this this image of hands outstretched to embrace one another. Uh, for perhaps he was for this reason taken from you for a little while that you would have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. Especially to me, Paul says, but how much more to you, Philemon, both in the flesh and in the Lord. And so I uh, spent some time trying to learn about imagery and artistry associated with this little book of the Bible. There's not as much to go on as there would be for the Gospels, for instance, or uh, there's some famous imagery from the book of Genesis that's shown up in paintings and artwork across the centuries. Philemon hasn't gotten quite as much attention, coming in at 25 verses. Um, so. But in the digging that I did, uh, shared that with our Philemon Project teaching team, And we concluded this was the favorite of all the things that we found. Uh, This was the one. So if you pull up that resource that's on our website, you would find that for each piece of artwork, there are two slides. There's a slide like this that's just the image itself. And then there's a slide like this that tells you where you can find it online and gives a little description about it. And uh, one of the things that this slide points out is that um, the artist did this in cooperation with a pastor and uh, together chose key verses from each book of the Bible and an illustration for each one. So if you like this image for the book of Philemon, you might uh, look on that website and find similar imagery and artwork for each book of scripture. But the challenge that I want to issue actually relates to this image. This is a modern uh, image of uh, Onesimus, the bishop of Ephesus. So you recall as you read the book of Philemon that uh, the man who is enslaved by Philemon is named Onesimus. And uh, that's a, a word that in Greek means useful. It was a common name given to slaves in the ancient world as masters hoped that their slaves would be useful and good workers. And so there's a a bit of a reminder of one's enslaved status in that name. Well, there uh, are plenty of sources that mention a man named Onesimus who became the bishop of Ephesus in modern-day Turkey. And uh, he became the bishop of Ephesus sometime in the second century. Now there's debate as to whether... Onesimus, the bishop of Ephesus, was the same as our Onesimus from the book of Philemon. One second century source written by a church father named Ignatius mentions Onesimus, the bishop of Ephesus. It calls him a man who excelled in love. And uh, and then it goes on to use some language that is very reminiscent of language used in the book of Philemon to describe Onesimus. And then there's a 4th century source that uh, describes this bishop of Onesimus and it says explicitly that he was ordained to high church office after he was released from slavery. So there are a couple of ancient sources that strongly indicate that Onesimus, the Onesimus we know from Philemon, was ordained as a bishop sometime after he was released from slavery by Philemon modern scholars are, debate, are uh, divided over this issue as to whether the Onesimus from the book of Philemon is the same person as Bishop Onesimus. Um, I tend to believe that they were the same person, but here's what I know for certain. Three things. First of all, there definitely was a bishop named Onesimus in the town of Ephesus in the second century. There's no dispute about that. Secondly, the name Onesimus was very common among slaves, so it's quite likely that the bishop of of Ephesus was a freed slave. Even if he wasn't our Onesimus from Philemon, it's still quite likely that this bishop was once a slave. And so here's the third thing we know for certain. The, The first thing is there was a bishop named Onesimus in Ephesus in the second century. The second thing it's a common name among slaves, so highly likely that this person was a freed slave. And here's the third thing we know for certain. The church over many centuries has celebrated the fact that someone who was freed from slavery could become a leader in the church. The church for centuries has celebrated the fact that in the Christian community, something could happen that was unthinkable in the broader Roman society. It was unthinkable that a slave could be a leader of any kind in the Roman world. And so among Christians, it wasn't unthinkable that a freed slave could become a key leader in a new kind of society, a society that functioned along lines very different from those of the Roman Empire. And so that leads me to the challenge that I want us to hear for the day. Can we trust the power of Jesus to do the unthinkable in our day, to create in the Christian community a kind of society that differs significantly from the society in which we live, a society that is scarred by the remnants of slavery in our own nation, a society in which racism and hatred of many, many forms are all too common. Can we trust the power of Jesus to do in our day what is unthinkable, to create a new kind of society that operates on the law of love? Ignatius, in the second century, described Onesimus, the bishop of Ephesus, as a man of inexpressible love. So Jesus today is Inviting us to wrestle with this question Can we become men and women of inexpressible love? I'd like to take a moment to pray for us as we close our time and prepare for worship. I'll leave those questions in front of you and I'll close our time with a prayer. Lord Jesus, we belong to you, our first citizenship is to your kingdom and to no other. And so we do trust you to do what is unthinkable. There is so much that is broken in our world and in our own hearts and even in our churches. We trust your power to do more than we could imagine to heal all the brokenness that splinters us, our relationships that divides us from one another. Lord, we lament the way that, that we are broken and divided. We lament the way that our hearts are often too cold toward people who are hurting, that we are not more offended by hatred. Lord, we trust you to do what is unthinkable, to cause us to grow and to change and to make us people of inexpressible love, not because it's easy, not because it's popular, but because you are a savior characterized by inexpressible love. It's because we trust you and love you that we want to grow and change and follow faithfully wherever you may lead us in paths of love. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Okay, well, I will uh, see some of you here on our campus in a few minutes uh, for worship and others. Hope you'll join us online, and we'll look forward to hearing Stephen Gilchrist preach to us today. Thanks for joining us today, and uh, we'll see you in a few minutes for worship. Bye-bye.